of our inner voices actually as promised um well i say promised as if people asked for this. <laughs> <laughs> but as 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 promised and forced on everyone um this is um my 25 uh, questions podcast episode this is an opportunity for people to get to know a bit more about mr inner voices aka no idea yeah um, for new listeners, wel- uh, welcome on this journey, and I'm very grateful for you joining us. And for my old listeners, Wagwan, as you probably know by now, Our Inner Voices is a podcast which is set up to challenge critical thinking, to make people engage more with the society around them, and um, you know, just get people to express more diverse views about the world around them. Because you know, I'm a strong believer in the idea that we i'm a strong believer in the idea that we have to kind of try to question the things around us and know our world better to function better within it that was a bit long-winded but but yeah so um i'm a bit ill today funny enough the day before my birthday because this is a recording on wednesday but you know you know the man up there has his he knows what he's doing when he when he tampers with my energy but uh, yeah, but yeah. So um, today I have Amy with me. Hi, 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 hi. Say hi, Amy. Hi. You, oh, you got actually speak into the mic. Oh, hi. <laughs> um, if you recall, Amy was um, one of our guests on the previous episode. Um, Did you ever post part two? I can't find it. Mm, so I, I see. Because I because I, I outed you. I have a quick confession. Mm, mm, mm. So because <laughs> you spoke nonsense a few weeks ago. <laughs> A few weeks ago, I lost a few podcast episodes. Mm. I didn't want to say anything because I was like, oh, fuck, people, people are going to think I'm, a, uh, I'm an asshole. I just don't like their voices. No, I actually mm. lost them. You don't like my inner voice, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I see how it is. I did manage to find most of them mm. due to some organization. So, oh, hallelujah. But yeah, <laughs> I promise I'll find it and then we'll post it. But so you're saying organization is the key? Organization is Is that a lesson you've learned in your 24 year of life? This is not one of the questions. Is it? <laughs> 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 All right, so um, I'm not going to bore you guys too much without any further. Uh, what does that even mean? Once again, further ado. Yeah. So Are without you? any wasting, or what did you say? I don't know. Without any time wasting, we're going to delve in. Let's go. Mm. So question number one, George would like to know: Is Greta Thunberg going to be the new David Attenborough? Well, thank you, George. Um, personally, I don't think so, only because uh, they do so. They do two very different things. Mm-hmm. I feel like David Attenborough is, you know, the father of um, the father of nature in the sense that he he his job is to show you the beauty of the world um, through documentaries and just um, ex- like impressive con- like impressive um, video, gr- you know, inf- impressive videos about animals nature and whereas Greta Thunberg is more of a activist in the sense that she's trying to remind you not to fuck up the world David Attenborough is showing you so one day she could be 
because I'm hoping eventually she's been out of school so long she's gonna have to get a job eventually. So mm. that might be a good a good job for her. Um, but for now, no, not quite. Also, David Attenborough is a G man. Don't don't be, don't compare us youth. Irreplaceable. Irreplaceable. I think it's good. Yeah, irreplaceable. Um, but yeah, thank you, George. So, Freddie would like to know: oh, Would God. you rather fight a, a hundred duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? All right, first of all, Freddie, fuck you. <laughs> um, would I like to fight, or would I rather fight a hundred duck-sized horses, mm. or what was the other one? One horse-sized duck. A horse-sized duck would be freaky as fuck, man. That shit would be terrifying. I think I'd rather... Think of... A hundred duck-sized horses. <laughs> I mean, you could just kick those people. You could just kick those things. Right? If they were, like, duck-sized horses, just kick... Okay, I, I don't... I don't. But a hundred. A hundred, mate. Yeah, well... I don't know. I don't know. I'd rather not fight animals than... But, <laughs> you know. yeah, why are you fighting them in the first place? Exactly. Like, what is this? <laughs> next one please so nancy wants to know have you ever had any sexual encounters with your guests on the podcast and by sexual encounter because she you know she went in anything from a kiss to oral to full-blown sex no but okay let me before i answer this question, <laughs> let me, can i just uh, make it can i just remind people that is that how you pay your guests now? Wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ, don't me to me. Oh my God. This is, this is already happening. I haven't even made it yet. <laughs> but I just like to remind people that my ex-girlfriend is, is on one of the previous, like, former episodes of the mm. podcast. So, yes. yes. Apart from her. No, that's not a question. Ah, uh, that's Next. a yes. No, that's oh. not a question. That's <laughs> not a question. Uh. <laughs> Yo, what is wrong with my friends, man? I can't remember how you told me. Anais? Anais. Anais, yeah. Anais. But the question is... Shout out, Anais. How was it growing up in London? Ooh, that's a nice one. Um, growing up in London was... Uh, growing up in London was a mixed bag. Um, I don't want to be vague, because I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be vague, so I'll break it down like this. Um, growing up in London was a bit terrifying, but it was also a relief. Um, I say terrifying because obviously you can imagine as a 14 year old coming into a completely new environment um, it was daunting, it was scary, you know you go to school, you see white people for the first time um, <laughs> oh, but more than that you, you, you're, you're, you're expecting that everybody's just going to be white but then you go to, I went to South East London School Warworth Academy, shout out Warworth um, and yeah just to my surprise most of the people there were black and I was like, oh, shit, this is London. Or st- this is London still. But when I was growing up in London, there was a lot of um, gang issues and um, violence. You know, I, I'm happy to admit it. I admitted it a few episodes, a few weeks ago on the podcast. I got robbed when I was like 15 in year 11 mm. um, at some bus stop. So that kind of summed up how growing up was for me and my friends, like, we kind of had to always watch our backs. Like, it was really fun and adventurous because you had a lot of freedom and safety that you weren't used to in, like, Nigeria, for instance, because that's where I grew up. Um, But at the same time, there was always this fear of not being able to go to certain parts of London, um, our fear that things were going to go crazy. Um, I remember that one of the 
one of the moments growing up in London that really struck me, that made me feel like, yo, I'm a part of history, was um, when the riots happened in 2012. The London riots. Was it? I thought it was later. Than I can't remember what year it was. I think, I can't remember. But I remember I was at, I was in Enfield at the time um, and the riots had started around Enfield and it kind of spread spread across London and then into Manchester and other places. And I, rem- I remember, because I, I was visiting my cousin at the time, I remember us just looking at the window. Um, actually, we had been on our way to a house party in Tottenham. At the time, that was not, that was not a safe thing to do, even till now, I don't know if it is, but we had been on our way to a house party and all the buses had suddenly been, um, been what's the word? Uh, when the buses and like, not running anymore, terminated. So all the buses were terminated. I honestly thought you were talking about buses. No, no, no. Oh shit, my accent. Yeah. <laughs> um, all the buses were terminated. Like, please terminate my bus. <laughs> <laughs> we'll kill him. Uh, anything. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we had obviously had to go back home, and we we're pissed off. Like, what the fuck is going on? And next thing, we look out my cousin's window, and it's like. Maybe a hundred, two hundred black. Um, not. I'm just gonna say black. I'm not gonna say just black. There were two hundred, three hundred like kids of all races, blacked out in hoodies, marching to go do some violence. Um, and yeah, then we just turned on the TV and we're like, rah. Mm. <laughs> the news, the TV, like the TV crews are like, like a few meters from from Enfield right now. It's all popping off. Um, so yeah, I guess I would say growing up in London was adventurous, but it was it was quite sexy, but it was also a bit sexy. It was also a bit dangerous once in a while. I mean, put it into perspective. I'm from Portsmouth, and we didn't lock our front door. You didn't lock your front. Oh, you're safe. Oh. You might get burgled, but chances are, like you say, I didn't have a house key because the door was open. Damn. Yeah, different worlds, mate. Fucking different worlds. Bro. I mean, I don't know what it's like now, but <laughs> back then we used to play on the street. Like, until rem- sundown <laughs> it was fun <laughs> I, I do remember i do remember when i came um i remember coming back from nottingham a few years ago and getting on the bus and i was terrified it was like 12 in the night and i was like oh shit this bus is going through peckham this is going to be scary going through peckham now i see so many white people i'm like huh mm. i thought there's meant to be people stabbing each other here yeah. But yeah, that was, you know, gentrification for you. I but mean, by the time I ever visited Brixton, I was like, what was everyone on about? They told me oh never to come. God, if you knew Brixton when it was Brixton. <laughs> Different worlds. <laughs> yeah, anyway. But yeah, next next one. So Will would like to know, oh, does God. Boris Johnson's buffoonery make no. him more relatable and therefore a better leader? All right. I like this question. There's layers. I like this question. Mm. Um, the reason I like this question is because for years now, um, since I was in, since I was a kid growing up in Nigeria, I was always ob- obsessed with intellectuals. And no matter where, the, what field they were in, no matter where they, who they supported, what side of the politics, I just liked people who I felt were smart. Um, and one thing I've always said about Boris Johnson, like, is Boris Johnson is a very intelligent man. Mm-hmm. Very like high level intelligence. I'd hope so. The amount his parents paid for his education. <laughs> yeah, that helped. That <laughs> definitely helped. But I feel like Boris John. Like I feel like right. You're trying to relate to people. Most people don't have the privilege and the opportunities to to get a private school education from Eton or to go to this expensive call. Um, you know, to get automatically get into these expensive colleges in Oxford or Cambridge and 
a lot of times, like uh, like you saw, like we saw a few years ago with um, what's his name, Ed Miliband. Mm. People really didn't like him because people felt like he was just a posh wanker. I mean, were they wrong? No, no, they weren't <laughs> wrong. Did you see the way he ate his sandwich? Yeah. <laughs> people were just like, look at this twat. But people that eat pizzas with knives and forks, not okay. <laughs> however, with Boris, right, one thing he's always done um, is he always acts goofy as fuck, like his hair's messy, etc. And I feel like that helps him out with the public because people are like, all right, fair enough, he might be elitist, but at least. For some reason, I can laugh at him, mm. and people like being able to laugh at people who they um, people like being able to laugh at other people, especially people in power. And I feel like, in a very weird way, that is a, a form of humility, as well as a form of of manipulation. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, I remember when he was announcing he wanted to campaign for Brexit, he came out with a, with a cup of tea for all the journalists, and. Instantly, for me, that was like, oh, shit, that's a tactic. Because naturally, people would be like, um, people were naturally waiting to attack him and just, dis- like, you know, be like, oh, you fucking wanker, you dickhead, you know. However, because of the way he came out with the, with the, with the tray, instantly, you're, you know, you start to think of your uncle. Now, your uncle that's kind of racist, but, you know, you, in the family meetings, he does kind of mean well. You know, we all have those in our families. I'm not saying I condone them and I'm not saying they're right, but just being able to get, just being able to make people feel like, oh, he has cups of tea or look at his messy hair or look at, you know, look at him hanging on his, yeah. on his you know, in the air as the London mayor. It just, I don't well, know it's why. Like it's like, I don't agree with politics, but he's a nice guy. Yeah, he's a, he's a nice guy. But at the but very least, he's a, he's a good Does that guy. make him therefore a better leader or does it just make him more acceptable to become a leader because people are more like he's more likable well does it make him better the thing is right what i feel about leadership is um so first and foremost i feel like most in in most uh, democracies right the policy is already set Mm. by both parties and it kind of like you see in america a lot both parties kind of they kind of pretend as if it it feels as if they have meetings and they're like okay this is the policies you're going to go for and these are the policies I'm going to fight for. And we're going to go to the public and pretend as though we're doing this. But in reality, we know we can't do anything different. <laughs> so when it comes to leadership, I don't feel it's so much... I don't feel leadership is so much uh, of, uh, oh, this guy is generally the best politician. What is a politician, really? A politician is a made-up job for to have a leader, mm. like to stand in front of you and be like, everything's going to be okay. And the same way with Barack Obama, the same way with Trump, the same way with with um, world leaders in general who who make the people like Justin Trudeau, who make the people feel comfortable and relaxed, that's what you need. Because when there's a crisis, as as annoying and as silly as the guy is, he's going to come out and say some goofy shit. And you're just going to be like, oh, that was funny. And you forget your problems for a bit. Yeah, Do I, I definitely... think he's the right leader right now. I don't think Boris Johnson is a good leader in general. I think his goofiness allows him to push in there. If yeah. Theresa May had his goofiness, she would definitely have been there longer. Yeah, it got him in that position. Because even as a kid, I just remember he was just this nonsense man that rode a little Boris bike. And I was like, yeah, Boris for president. Well, obviously not president, but, you know, yeah, <laughs> it yeah, sounds minister. better. Yeah, <laughs> got yeah, a ring to a it. Country, yeah. Oh, shit. But now it's happened and you're like, oh, maybe not. <laughs> He's a bit of an ob. <laughs> 
so yeah but maybe but, but not better I, I do also feel like um just just quickly on this one before, I, before we go to the next question i do also feel like what i see on social media a lot is um people underestimate people like boris johnson and i think that's one of the most dangerous things you could do there's nothing worse than underestimating a fool a calculated fool is a, a calculated fool is more dangerous than a than a than a honest than an honest and like an honest and um, cool guy, because you ha- he disarms you. Disarming is a very easy way to make you stop looking at what you need to be looking at. So I feel like instead of people to always be like, oh yes, he got he lost something. Oh, the court said he he was he did something illegal. Fam, he's distracting you. Don't fall for it. The same way Trump used all that nonsense mm-hmm. to distract everyone. Well, isn't that just politics in general? That is distraction. Politics is just a distraction while they do what they need to do for the corporations anyway. Mm. But yeah, uh, enough, uh, yeah, politics is not... Enough uh, of Boris. I hate politics. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, next. Question six is from Jamal. He My wants like, to know... <laughs> I bet about women. <laughs> what do you wish... Uh, what do you wish you could go back and tell young Noah about future Noah to help you be happier in life? But would young Noah even take the advice? <laughs> okay, first and foremost, young Noah is 100% not taking the advice. <laughs> it wouldn't have made him happy. Yeah, don't tell difference. me what the fuck to do. <laughs> I feel like young Noah was made himself happy by being himself. And I, I feel like I would never have become who I am today and who I know I would be 30, 40, 50 years from now if I wasn't allowed to be young Noah. So... I know that people have this habit of feeling like, oh, let's go to the past and change things. But nah, because sometimes you're lucky enough to learn from your mistakes really early. Like as a young kid, I was uh, I was isolated so much. And at the time, I just felt like, oh, I hate this shit. But I've grown up since I've gotten older, being able to isolate myself from social settings or from just people in general has allowed me to have this introspective part of me develop you know where i can actually sit down reason think clearly um but i think there is one thing i would say young noah should avoid trigger happy typing because Mm. anybody who knew me from back in the day knew that the one thing i was bad at was calming myself I was good at apologies, extremely good at them, only because <laughs> I needed them. Yeah, because you were needed, so triggered. I was so, oh my God, I was, let's, let me, let's just say we can write a book on, on maybe on you should, the thousand sins of Noah. But yeah, older Noah would say to young Noah, don't take shit from anyone, but at the same time, try and develop some empathy. But one day you will develop the empathy, you just not take shit from anyone still. Mm. So, you know. Maybe just don't take shit so seriously. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should talk to younger Noah. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. My parents would love that. <laughs> All my teachers and shit would love that. Oh. Also, don't be such an angry little prick. You have to get through that anger, man. Otherwise, you'll be an angry pick na- prick now, and an angry adult is not fun. <laughs> Oh, no, I meditate Angry now. child is excusable. <laughs> yeah, I meditate now. I don't get angry. Except when I'm But to be out. fair, we're talking about not that long ago. Yeah, so I'm 25. So young Noah, I would probably be thinking about would be the 12-year-old Noah. Mm. 12-year-old Noah was probably peak demon. Peak demon? 
<laughs> Damn. Peak demon, yeah. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> I'm sure he's against you. We should really write a book about like just I should write a book where just like go around to people who knew me from when I was really young and just tell them, yo, just say what you knew about Noah. People will be like, he did what? You know, sometimes somebody reminds you of something you did as a kid and you're just like, mm. oh god. But yeah. Just blame it on the ADHD, it's fine. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, question seven is from Will. Is this the same Will as question five? Oh, Will is here a few times. He's got a lot to ask. I love you, Will. Thank mm. you very much. He says, "Are the children of the internet generation missing out on vital life skills because they are so dependent on technology? Are these life skills even vital anymore?" Ooh, Will, Will the bangers, Boris, and this the is internet. When you doing your breaks at work, bro. <laughs> I respect it. Um. Yeah, he has the Boris one as well, right? Mm. Damn. He thinks. He's a fan. He's a critic. He's a, he's a, he, he uses inner voice. Mm. Um, what was the first part? So, are the children of the internet generation missing out on vital life skills because they are dependent on technology? Um, I really think it... I strongly think it depends, man. I really think it's very subjective. And the reason I say that is because it depends on what the kids of this generation are trying to do. Mm. So, for instance, right, social media is the best example. Social media and hip-hop is the best example, right? A lot of older rappers so pissed off at the younger rappers because they were like, why are you, you know, we never had these opportunities. We didn't have social media. We didn't have all this exposure. And the younger rappers, a lot of times, would reply and say, okay, it's not our fault that you didn't have it, but we have it. What do you want us to do? Not use it? Mm-hmm. So, what ended up happening was in those situations, the younger rappers just understood that I can actually make a lot of money early, keep my, my publishing rights, feed my family and get them out of like really bad situations in life early just by understanding this platform. On the flip side, we have eight, yeah, eight kids who are just addicted to doing memes and insulting people and trolling. Google has everything. Right? When I started trying to do this whole podcast thing, first thing I did was Google. How do you start a podcast? Podcast for dummies. If a kid feels like... like my, my younger brother, um, shout out Shia, it was his birthday a few days ago as well. Uh, my younger brother, he taught himself game design. He taught himself graphics design. He taught himself... So Some kids are getting people. paid millions, man. Millions, Just man. for Minecraft. Like, he used to, he used to sell Minecraft images to to people on the internet when he was like 14 and people in, we, we used to ask him in the house yo where'd you get this money from he's like, don't worry about it <laughs> and uh, as an as an old as, as his older brother i didn't have that vision to be like damn this shit is big but so it really depends on how the kids choose to use it mm. and are those vital skills vital anymore to an extent yes but a lot of those skills are not so for example Education is really not as deep as it used to be because first and f- first of all, you find out that a lot of the education you learn is BS. Mm. A lot of the history is made up. <laughs> to, to, a lot of I the history that. is made up to um, to make one side look really impressive, while the other side, I mean, you know, make history is written by the people that win. Exactly. Mm. So is you know, so I feel like the, what if you think about life, right? There is no real mission there is no real purpose everything started empty and we built it up to the level it is today so 
in that spirit, we built up societies, we built up what we think people should focus on. So you can unbuild it, you can un, you can rebuild, you can reimagine it, and you can restructure everything you do based on that. But yeah. it is fucking unhealthy. So a lot of these kids, I'm a kid as well, but a lot of us need to get out of the house mm. more. You know, like it's fucking up your sex lives. It's fucking up if, if you haven't getting any. Or it's fucking up your social lives. You're not, you know, you're not communicating like you sh- you should be able to. Yeah, I mean, social anxiety is high. Social anxiety is hell high. If you can only DM but you can't talk face to face, you need to think why. And also, porn is not, you know. Porn is. N- but to be fair, there was. It's VHS good, but it's cassettes. not good for you. There was VHS cassettes before this. This. Yeah, but you had to rent them out. No one's doing that. Yeah, but you could buy posters. How do you know this? I've seen a lot of films. <laughs> but also, out. I think each generation, as we go on, it's not just this generation that is suddenly this new things come out called the internet and they're fucked because of it. Each generation goes on, we lose a part of knowledge we used to have. For instance, herbal medicine. Now we go to the pharmacy to buy a painkiller, whereas before, each person in the house would have known what fucking flower to pick to brew up a little stew to make you better. So each generation changes. And I think this is just the way it's going. If the, But for me, it's the social skills, personally. Yeah, evolution is awesome, man. We'll Embrace just evolution. Hopefully we'll like uh, fucking evolve with iPhones attached to our hands and then we don't have to pay out our nose for it. Right? All right, so I just realized, <laughs> I just realized like uh, 30 minutes in now, somehow, what the fuck, but... So and we're on question I'm seven. This, I'm gonna release this in two parts <laughs> uh, at the same time, but just uh, yeah, make it style. Digestible. Um, uh, but yeah, so we're gonna. I'm probably gonna shorten some of the answers until we get to the far part of it. Mm. All right. Question eight from Adimola. Man like. Mm. How important is mindfulness, and what ways can we introduce it to our lives, All into right. our lives? Listen, um, first thing I'll say is um, anybody who really is interested in mindfulness, I would recommend you read a book by Eckhart Tolle um, called um, The Power of Now. Uh, mindfulness is, for me, is simply the ability to clear your mind. People a lot of times think mindfulness is like, Oh, just, you know, you sit down, you meditate, you see the spirits and stuff. No, in reality, it is just the ability to clear your mind. If you think about it like a computer or your phone, sometimes when you have too many files on the shit, it just starts slowing down, overheating. Mm, Close those tabs. Close the tabs, (laughs) put them in the recycle bin. Just be silent. So mindfulness for me is, is stillness. And I think it's so important because it just silence is beautiful because that's where we all come from. Nothing. And so, therefore, with that silence, you know, we we go on to the next level, nothing. But mm. how do we think? Um, I'm working on something at the moment. It's long term, but I'm working on something to allow, to help people have find a better way of um, breaking into that mindfulness and uh, being able to isolate themselves mentally from the, this crazy society. And, you know, but yeah, next. So question 10 from Anonymous. <laughs> Who are the top five people who inspire you and why? Top five people who inspire me and why? Um, I'll do three. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, I don't have time for five. Um, number one, honestly, Jesus. Mm. Um, there's a <laughs> Kanye West line from... Um, you and Kanye West. He's not on the list anymore. Oh, good. He pissed me off. <laughs> he was fucking with Jesus. You don't fuck with Jesus. You do everything but that. Chill out. But... 
There was a Kanye West line a few years ago where he says um, the crucifixion, the being nailed to the cross, refer- referencing the, the whole crucifixion of Jesus. Truth or fiction, that's a hell of a cost, right? And when I was young and I heard that line, it made me really think that the sacrifice this, this man is rumored to have done is phenomenal. And when you look closer into the life of Jesus, well, what we're given anyway, you realize that one thing, one like one thing is constant from Jesus, and that's like this idea of love and peace. And even though he had a knife a few times, you know, man like you know Shanks, OGJ. Something's just got to be done. Something's got to be mm. done. You got to stab a few. I'm not gonna say Jews. <gasps> no, because that's what he was. That's where he was. Okay, all right, <laughs> let's right. just go stab a few Jews. Second, Words second. of Noah, people. Jesus Christ. <laughs> second, <laughs> he did do. Okay, no. <laughs> Alright, second person who really, <laughs> second person who really inspires me, um, Charlemagne the God. And the reason is because I love the fact that Charlemagne just says what the fuck he wants. Um, mm. I also love how how empathetic Charlemagne can, has is. And one of the main things about Charlemagne I love is the fact that if you follow his journey, you can really see how this man who is like some ghetto street soldier back in the day. Um, who used to just be this vulgar, horrible guy. You can see how he's actually evolved and become a man. And I love to see that because I feel like that's an example for young men, especially young men who are in the streets. Young men who are involved. I'm not in the streets, obviously. I'm, you know, I'm going to be walking the streets to the bus stop. But I mean, finishing your master's, <laughs> not really the streets. This is fine. <laughs> the streets, yeah. But I love seeing that. In a, I love seeing a, a person evolve and grow into that kind of person mm. into that level of brilliance and genius and it just makes me feel good you know and um also i love the fact i love his style of, of interviewing people obviously i don't want to be that blunt and harsh with people because you know i gotta throw hands and fuck that and also you're asking your friends on the podcast you can't really fuck them yeah, up at really the same like, time yeah, true, you and sleep with them girl? according to nancy's question oh, but anyway <laughs> um but <laughs> The third person. Can we just reflect that? I never actually answered that. I just, I, okay, you, no, know you avoided the question, I'm but it's fine. To, we know. The third person that inspires me uh, is my dad. Cute. Um, actually, no. I'll put it together like this. I think my dad and my mom combined. Mm. Um, reason is, I found out things about you as everybody does. You get older and you find out things about your parents. Yeah, everything starts to make fucking sense. It makes sense. Mm. Like questions you had about them. Uh, questionable decisions you question them about as you get older you start to be like oh these people are actually phenomenal creatures and Mm -hmm. uh, my 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 parents like they're different my parents are representative of most parents who give a fuck about their kids you know people who they would rather die than see their children suffer okay maybe not my mom Uh, (laughs) (laughs) well you know like they inspire me. And the re- main reason it inspires me, because I was, I, when I was growing up, I generally felt uh, there was this stereotype about African parents, especially like Nigerian parents, how they don't evolve and they can't grow. Mm. And I've made it my mission for years to make sure that I can disprove this. And my parents are the sh- strongest example of how this is actually reality. Like, they've grown, they've evolved, and you can tell that they're trying to learn always to figure out better ways to handle their children's lives difficult things about their kids and i respect that to the you know i always respect that till the end of you know and when i have my children now it's too much effort when i have my kids i'll just like tell them stories about their grandparents and then just be a dickhead 
Um, mm. <laughs> is, do I have to say it's a joke? But yeah. So yeah, shout out those three people. There's more, but... Yeah, and also when it comes to inspiring, they don't have to necessarily be like positive influences. Like sometimes, especially with parents, the bad things they do can inspire you to not do that. Yes. If that makes sense. Especially when they learn from it. Mm. It's beautiful to see adults. Because then you don't have to make that mistake. Oh no, kids are stupid. And that's inspiring. I mean... <laughs> Maybe you. <laughs> but, uh, next. <laughs> okay, so Afolabi would like to know, what do your inner voices sound like? And as someone with ADHD, talking to someone with ADHD, I know they're fucking crazy. So I'm intrigued to see what yours sound like. <laughs> I refer to myself as we. Okay. If I had to have a pronoun, it's we. Is Not it me, myself, and I, or me, me myself, and many? Me, myself, and many. Mm. So we we, we, compa- we compartmentalize. Is that, did I say that right? Uh, we have knows? meetings. There's meet- <laughs> meetings going on in my head. Um, mm-hmm. The way my inner voice works is that usually if I, 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 I kind of evoke certain parts of my inner voice based on what the situation is. So, like, we have conversations, right? Because when I was growing up, I had no one to talk to. Mm. I was always isolated. So, um, I really had to learn to just, like, I was like, okay, you're either going to go crazy or you're just going to learn to rationalize. And I feel like that's a power that God and the universe in general gives to us. This ability to just talk to ourselves, reflect with ourselves, and just do certain things that, you know. So, yeah, my inner voice is a... You'd have to be in my head, man. But I promise you, if I if I wasn't meditating, I'd be going crazy because they go mm-hmm. fast, mm-hmm. they run, they rush, they talk a lot, and sometimes we have a massive meeting because I have this imagination that heaven is this, um, heaven is not as fancy as you guys all make it out. God is like, you nigga, I'm wearing my sandals. Fuck this shit. But I feel like he has ministers around his chair, right? So I try to have ministers in my head. And those ministers represent different parts of my life, different aspects of things. So sometimes when I do something wrong, those I they, they, we might have a meeting. I might be like, all right, mm. you know what? Recess. Let's have a meeting. And then everybody sits down. We talk. And then by the end, I'm like, all right, mm. I fuck with that. And sometimes people see me talking to myself on the street. And I'm like, ooh. Same here. <laughs> well, yeah, the way I describe so. it is like having five cod- podcasts playing at the exact same time. Oh, God, that's... And it's hard to filter. But that's why mindfulness meditation helps. Yeah, man, you need your inner voice. One at a time. <laughs> right. So, this one's a long one. Matt Studd. Oh, Jesus Christ. I Solid this last name. This is a Solid. Heavy. Yo, Matt, ratings. But, um, Jesus Christ, I remember this question. This question is, okay, yeah, go on. Okay, so he says... My question is, where, in your opinion, is the line between being a product of one's upbringing and circumstances and personal personal responsibility? Like, and then he gives examples. Like, how far can you forgive, e.g., an older person using language that would today be considered racist, homophobic, or sexist, but would have been totally... I don't know what that word means, but I'm guessing fucked up today. So, like... How far can you excuse someone's upbringings based on that? All right, so that's a tricky question. Uh, the reason I Where's say so the line? is because, first of all, I think the line is very tricky. The line depends on you. Um, um, let me see. Let me give you an example because I prefer analogies. 
when Brexit happened, mm. Amy's an alcoholic, by the way. She's finishing a bottle of gin right now. But <laughs> it was three quarters of the way empty anyway, which I did not drink before I got here. <laughs> Fucking hell. Fu- Do you want help? <laughs> I can leave. <laughs> but yeah, um, Okay, so I feel like um, that's kind of a question about nature and nurture. Like, at what point do you blame yourself, your genes? At what point do you have to take responsibility, right? I feel like everybody's programmed by the world around them. Mm. Um, I also have this belief, which I think science should catch up with, because it's facts. And but did, yeah, Did you decide it's facts? Or? No, there's evidence. Uh, I can, if anybody wants to question me on this shit, we can have a conversation about this <laughs> and I will show you some shit. But, but remember, he's not trigger happy now, so it'll be thought, oh, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so my, my way of looking at it is like, uh, I feel your genes, you generally come, the same way you can pass down traits, like your looks and stuff, is the same way you can pass down non-visible, non-physical traits, mm. like personalities, like my mom, my mom is a wild flower. My mom is wild when she's on in a bad mood. Um, trust me, you're a bad woman. Oh God, you don't want to fuck with them. <laughs> so my dad, on the other hand, is very chill. But my dad has a temper sometimes, like most people do, right? I feel like when I grew up, I had both those things. Mm. And I had to f- get to a point where I learned how to control them. Because my parents grew up in a different context. In their context, it was in their context of the world they grew up in. It was okay to do a lot of things. It was okay to fight all the time. It was okay to just disrespect each other. You know, it was just kind of like, oh, you know, I don't not explain it, but I couldn't make it. There was only a, uh, there's only so many excuses I could make, like, oh, I just have anger issues. Oh, I'm just, you know, it's not my fault. There's only so much. Eventually, when you're able to take accountability or you're able to see truth, I feel like it makes it, at that point, you have to make a decision if you are going to just keep letting past things or experiences you've seen affect your who you are, or you're just like, you know what, nah, I'm not going to continue the cycle, I'm not going to, I'm going to change, I'm going to stop being a horrible person, I'm going to be more thoughtful, I'm going to be less, like, I'm going to be less um, of a pushover, Things like that. And with in terms of the part about like the elder generation, I think that as a younger people, um, I've noticed something. History repeats itself. And since I saw this quote when I was a kid, I've been obsessed with like seeing examples of that. And I feel young people, we have this mistake of forgetting that those adults were once our ages and those adults were once like a lot of them thinking in similar ways to us. Um, so you have to be aware of people's upbringing, how people have grown up, what world they've grown up in. The world a 70-year-old grandma is, grow, has grown up in, where she says the word nigger, for instance, is not your world. So if you justify yours by saying, well, she says it, nah, she lives in a different world and her programming must be so deep and entrenched in her, in her psyche, that she's not able to make mm-hmm. a change, you know? But that goes deeper. Do we all have to live in the same world? Yes, and that's where... What's, who agrees upon that one world? You see, I feel like that's the ultimate question. Mm. I feel like that's the ultimate mission of the human race, to figure out... Not that I'm saying she should say that, just, no, of course not. just to be fucking clear right there. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like the, 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 the long-term mission of the human race is to figure out a way to coexist in our totality as different people. Mm. Because if you always isolate people because you don't agree with their views 
then you're limiting your worldview and you're forgetting that you're actually being an asshole yourself. Yeah. You are actually also, you are also evil in a way because you are calling for the isolation and the destruction of another soul and you have no right to do that. So you might feel justified because some guy, let's say Marx, came up with a theory and you were like, yeah, that theory works. I don't like the theory my parents came up with. All right, but you're not God. <laughs> so you can have an argument, you can have a debate, you can agree to disagree. But to judge people based on their beliefs alone is kind of it's kind of cruel, you know? Mm. But yeah, next one. Um, hello, hello, yes. Top of the morning to you. Um, well, it's quite actually it's evening. It's evening right now, actually. Um, yes. But um, as you've been listening to Mr. Inner Voices on um, the 25 questions, part one, uh, we just felt we needed to break it down a bit. So today's episode, um, today's song of the week. Um, song of the week right? Yes. Today's song of the week is um, Zozo. No, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Today's song of the week is brought to you by uh, Zozo and it's titled Slow. Um, it's a new up-and-coming artist from the United Kingdom, London to be specific. Um, so without any um, further ado, what does that mean? No one knows what it means. Without any further ado, um, I would like to leave you to enjoy it. Thank you very much and God, God bless. Say, I need a rock, you're 